Well, good morning and welcome here. My name is Luke, and I get to serve as the pastor here. It's good to have you here. Uh, a couple announcements. We'll, we'll carry on. First of all, tonight is the pool party. We rented out the pool from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. You're all invited, uh, and bring family and friends. Uh, Mark and, and Mary Lee have organized lots of great games, and so we need participants and judges and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, it would be great to have you there tonight. Uh, also, we kind of have a, a special treat. Uh, a little bit later on, we're going to be hearing from Sarah and Ott. Uh, Sarah is a, well, they're, they're good friends of the family. Uh, Sarah and Joanne were good friends in college, and they're now serving in a pastoral role in Thailand. And uh, it is just a neat opportunity to hear what is God doing around the world. Um, how is his spirit moving? Uh, what does the rest of the, the, the church look like? And uh, so that will be a neat opportunity. Um, Jeff Croker asked me to remind you, he had uh, handed out some of you a, a review sheet. It's part of a 360-degree leadership review that I had requested. And so he was just reminding you that, that, is, uh, that he would like that bat by next Sunday. And also, uh, Loretta has an announcement this morning. audience, for a select audience, if you're too old to have ever attended a National Youth Conference, your time has come. This announcement is for you. Uh, I just want to extend another invitation. You've gotten them in the mail through the Christian Leader to attend the first ever National Conference for Senior Adults. Now, we lovingly call this 55 plus, but I don't think anyone will ever be refused to go there. But the good thing about this is, just like when they plan a youth conference, they gear it for the interests of those people. The name of the conference is This Is My Story. And yes, we will be singing the song. <laughs> you will enjoy the music. It's going to relate to us in many different ways how important the story is and how important your story is. So the music, the worship, the speaker, the workshops, the activities are all going to be geared to your interests. The worship leader is going to be David Martins. He's the son of Larry Martins. We're looking forward to that. Dr. Don Argue is the speaker. There will be entertainment. The Ball Brothers will be one evening. It's a gospel singing quartet. And then King Kington, a Christian comedian. And that is not an oxymoron. You can be funny and a Christian both, can't yes, you, Luke? Can. Yeah, we know that. The conference is October 2 through 4. And uh, I invite you to register. There's different ways that you can do it if you haven't already. You can do it online. There are some registration forms at the back. If you'd like to pick one of those up and put your check in and mail it, you can do it that way. Or there's a number on the information. You probably have received a packet like this, or I've run off some copies at the back that you can use. There's a number you can call, and Danielle Bartle at the MB Foundation office will take care of everything for you. So you can do it that way as well. Then after you register for the, the conference, you'll need to make reservations for your lodging. It's at the Sheraton Hotel in Overland Park, Kansas. And the easiest thing would be just to register there and stay there. They have a special rate for those who are participating in the conference. Uh, if you have relatives there, you can stay there. Or if you have an RV, uh, there's information where you can park that. You can even park it on the hotel parking lot, but there are no hookups. So that would be available for you as well. Now, there are a number of our friends from all over the U.S. that are coming, and if they're not your friends, they will be after you attend this conference. And some of them just wanted to stay in the Midwest longer, 
So uh, the conference is sort of uh, paired up with, uh, cooperated with Prudent Tours, and there will be, a, leaving from Overland Park, Kansas, there will be a tour to Branson. And there's information at the back table. You can pick up a sheet on that if you want to do that. Uh, you just leave from uh, the hotel, and they'll bring you back there a few days later, and you'll have some wonderful music and, and even make more friends as you take that tour. So I invite you to do that. We're going to be emphasizing it this month, so you can expect some reminders. And if you have questions, just talk to myself, or you can talk to my husband, Dean. Thank you. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, you are a gracious and a good God, and you are a gracious and good Father to us. Lord, we love you. It is our delight to serve you. Uh, Lord, this morning we are excited to be able to come and worship you, uh, to worship, uh, yeah, just everything about who you are. Uh, it's exciting for us to come and uh, learn about Scripture and who you are and how we are to live, and it's exciting to hear what's going on in other parts of the world with your global church. We love you and we worship you. Amen. Worship.
Psalms 42 says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. My prayer is that we will all strive to go deeper and know God more.
be seated. Well, at this point in the, in the service, we like to have a bit of a prayer time. A uh, few things to pray for. Uh, Jason and Nicole sent me a couple text messages last night. They are meeting in a new place today for the first time. Uh, it's kind of a, a neat moment. Uh, you know, of course, the VBS team, the Vacation Bible School team, was there this last week. And uh, last night, I got all kinds of rave reviews via text message and uh, thanks and appreciation and I you know little pictures with teardrops and that kind of thing and uh, so anyway so we'll hear more about that next weekend but just very appreciative but they are meeting in a new location and um, yeah so they've just they've asked for for prayer for that um, of course we want to continue to pray for uh, you know other missionaries as well too Kent and Kedron Miller serving in, in Germany they're getting ready to do their own uh, local uh, 10-day outreach program um, they're in Berlin, and so they've asked for a lot of prayer for that. Uh, they're pretty excited about that, but it is a big undertaking. And uh, for the Ragas, Paul and Sarah Ragas, who are serving in France, and uh, they need to get some lodging stuff squared away, so they, they've asked some prayer for that. Um, and in addition, I mean, we have lots of uh, community needs. Um, there's uh, people, uh, you know, who have suffered ailments. Uh, Tyler Noonan Camp is, is home, but still on the recovery. Uh, Dale Steingard, who was in an accident. Many of you know people uh, with broken bodies and, and broken hearts, and uh, so no no shortage of, uh, of stuff to pray for there. So I'm just going to give you a little bit of silence and let you um, pray individually, and then I'll close this off after a bit.
Father, many of us come here this morning with just burdens, thoughts, concerns, things that weigh us down from the week. And Lord, we just, we give those to you. We surrender those to you. We lay them at your feet. God, in in our life, there are times where it feels like uh, panic has set in. And for us, the situation is new and startling and worrisome. And yet you have had sense before time to, uh, to think through this, to understand it, to be aware of it. And so you don't panic. Uh, you don't uh, fret and worry like that. And so, um, yeah, we, we look to you in those things. Heavenly Father, if there's, if there's a way that we've grieved you in any way, we ask that you would show that to us that we would be able to make amends with you. Holy Spirit, we invite you here this morning to teach, to lead, to inspire, to convict, to correct, to equip. Lord, it's a, it's a blessing and an honor to be able to serve you, to be able to work alongside you to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Ushers.
Thanks, ladies. Um, before we uh, dive back into Ephesians, uh, I'm going to ask Sarah not to, to start coming forward. I think they're on Kid Patrol in the back here. We'll give them a couple minutes. Um, we've been having a lot of fun at our house over this weekend. Uh, we, Jason and uh, Jen are in town from Kansas, and Sarah and Ott are in town from Thailand. And uh, Sarah and Jen and Joe were all good buds in college, and so we've just been having a blast at our place over the weekend. And, uh, but as I mentioned before, Sarah and Ott are involved in leadership of one of the churches in Thailand. Uh, in the year 2000, there were three couples that went to Thailand uh, out of MB Mission. And they called themselves Team 2000 because they were leaving in the year 2000. And their desire was to have 2,000 prayer supporters. And over the years, the work in Thailand has just really grown and expanded. Uh, that one of the first churches that they planted, the Life Center, is still there. That's where Ott will be serving as pastor. Uh, in the years following was when the tsunami hit, which was a uh, horrific tragedy. But one of the things that, that came out of that is for the MB denomination in Canada, the U.S., saw dozens upon dozens of volunteers and workers go to Thailand through, through a, a deal called Operation Rebuilding Lives, where they interacted with people, built homes, that kind of thing. And since then... Uh, the number of missionaries in Thailand has really increased. An orphanage has been started and that kind of thing. So it's uh, really kind of uh, taken off. So uh, it's kind of a neat privilege to, to have you guys here and, and just to share a little bit. So um, all yours. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to come and share in your church this morning. To share a little bit about how God is at work in Thailand. So Ott's just going to share a little story um, just to begin with. And um, he just said one time there was a woman who came to our church uh, who, okay, who, was, who was asking for prayer because she was sick. เอ่อเพราะมีเพื่อนคนนึงบอกว่าให้มาที่ที่จะจัดแล้วพระเจ้าเอ่อขอให้พระเจ้าช่วยสําหรับการรักษาให้กับเขาและ she knew about our church because a friend had seen our church there and said go to the church and they can pray for you and and maybe god can heal you แล้วผมบอกว่าผมไม่สามารถรักษาเขาได้เอ่อมีแต่พระเจ้าเท่านั้นที่รักษาso when um, we talked with her, we said, uh, we can't heal you, but God can. And so we just invited her into our church and invited her to worship with us, and then um, we gathered around her and prayed for her, too. พระเจ้ารักษาเขาจากอาการปวดที่ที่ท้องของเขา So 
so the next week she came back and she said, I'm feeling better. I feel like yeah, the pain that I had before has gone away. So, so, God, so I had an opportunity to talk with her about God and, and to share with her about God, and she chose to believe in Jesus. So the work in Thailand is pretty big, and there's no way we as humans can make a difference. But with God, God can change and transform Thailand. So we invite you to pray for us that um, as we serve in Thailand, that God, yeah, be our, yeah, help pray as many have already, like Luke has said, many have prayed for Thailand and um, uh, maybe even some have gone to Thailand to support the ministry there, but thank you for your prayers for us. Yeah, okay. Um, I think Ott is going to take the boys to nursery, and I'm going to share a little bit more with a few pictures about they'll make it. They enjoyed it earlier this morning, so okay, thank you, Ott. So, yeah, like Luke said, my name is Sarah, and this is my husband, Ott. Um, his given name is Wan Chai, but his nickname is Ott, so as we speak. Um, Elliot, are you going to go with Papa? <laughs> okay, ready? And so I, um, I originally went to Thailand in 2000 with Team 2000 as a homeschool teacher in 2001. And I was with them for a year and a half homeschooling their children. And at that time, I started to get a heart for Thailand and Thai people. And, but then I came back to the States and I went to the seminary in Fresno for a few years and graduated with a degree in intercultural mission from the seminary. And then in 2008, um, there had been an orphanage that was started as Luke said, and um, Karen Sanchez, Karen and Ricky Sanchez, they, they said, Sarah, would you be interested in coming back to Thailand to help volunteer at the orphanage? And so in 2008, I went back to Thailand, and that's when Ott and I um, met each other and realized we had a common heart for serving the Lord in Thailand. And um, in 2010, we were married, and um, now we've had two boys. And so um, as you can see on this first slide here, as Ott was sharing, the majority of people in Thailand are Buddhist, and 95% are Buddhist, and uh, about 4% are Muslim, and not quite 1% yet are Christians. So there's much opportunity for the word of God and the gospel to, to bear lots of fruit in Thailand. Um, so this is uh, our church family. There's about 20 of us um, that are pretty faithful, and so we're excited to join with the team that's already there. Um, Ott has just graduated from Bangkok Bible Seminary in, in Bangkok with a Bachelor's of Theology. And so we were living in Bangkok for four years, and now we're moving to Bangsen, where TLC, which is the Mennonite Brethren Church that's about 10 years old, has been planted. And so we're excited to join with their team, and um, this is um, who we are right now. Yeah, here's some of the leaders um, that we serve together with. And every Sunday at TLC, we eat together. So we, we, we worship in Thailand uh, on Sundays at 4 p.m., 
And after we worship together, um, like preaching, then we always eat together. So that's always fun. Um, here's just a couple glimpses of some of the outreaches that, that we've been able to participate in. There's a mobile medical clinic. I think that happens here in the States too sometimes. But they're Thai people who are doctors and dentists. And they get together and they move from church to church and partner with churches. So they came to partner with us. And here is um, a picture of uh, – TLC has a vision to start a school. And so there's a team of us who are planning and praying that God would guide that um, vision to start a school. Um, here's Ott. He's teaching the youth. He had a, a course where he was teaching them on how to look for a Christian mate. And most of the people in our church are women, so we pray for Christian men and for the women in our church to have godly um, marriages and families. And here's Ott preaching. He loves to preach. He's very gifted at preaching, and so um, we're excited to have the opportunity to serve in that way at TLC. Um, here was a Christmas outreach where we were sharing with our community, and that's us, um, our family, and so we're, we'll be returning. I'm originally from Oklahoma, from the Adams Indie Church in Oklahoma. And uh, my grandfather was actually born in Henderson, David B. Fast, my dad told me. So we're in this area. Um, but we will be going back to Oklahoma and then going back to the Fresno area. Um, the Butler Indie Church there, where I attended when I was in seminary, is partnering with us to receive and process funds um, to support our family while we're in Thailand. So we're not supported through MB Mission, but Butler is partnering with us in that way, and so we're really thankful for their partnership. So we'll worship with them um, September 6th, and then September 10th, we'll head back to Thailand. So we were really excited to come and visit Joanne and see Jennifer and her family this weekend, and um, thanks for the opportunity to share this morning um, here at your church. We are we're praying and just trusting God for his provision. For our family, we're, we're trying to raise $2,000 a month to support both our family and our um, ministry expenses while we're at TLC. And so we're just trusting God um, to provide for our needs. We have some prayer cards. If anybody's interested, here's a picture of our family and some ways you can pray for us um, or support us if you feel like God's leading you to that. So thank you very much for the opportunity to share. Oh, one more thing. I brought this fruit up here because one of my favorite scriptures is in Colossians 1. It says the word of God is growing and bearing fruit all over the world. And so we have different kinds of fruit from different places. But this is some of the fruit um, that we enjoy in Thailand. And so I just thank God that the word of God is growing and bearing fruit in Henderson, in, in Hillsborough, in all the parts of the world. So I want to praise God for the fruit and all its different, different unique formations. So... Thailand is a uh, beautiful country. Uh, it's a, a beautiful people. Uh, it's a beautiful culture. It's one of the few Asian countries, uh, if I'm correct, that has never been invaded or occupied by a foreign power. And so the, the culture and the heritage is very kind of untainted by, uh, by foreign nations and, and kind of their culture. And so there's, just, there's a rich heritage there. The food is fantastic. Uh, not that you should ever visit a country just for the food, but if you're shallow like that, uh, you should probably consider Thailand. Um, so, yeah, and there's just, there's a lot of neat stuff happening. So some of you should probably go to Thailand one of these days. And, um, yeah, Sarah and Ott need financial support, and they need prayer support. So some of you should also talk to them afterwards and, and sign up for one of those two things. So 
Uh, I actually want to just do a quick prayer. You can just stay there, Sarah, but I just want to do a quick prayer together for, for Sarah and on for, for their ministry. So please join me in a word of prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for how you are bearing fruit around the world. Thank you for the fruit that you are uh, bearing in Thailand and raising up and growing in Thailand. We ask your blessing and your protection upon Sarah and Aunt, Lord. We ask that you'd watch over them, provide for them, uh, watch over their family, watch over them spiritually in a country where 0.8% are believers, Lord. Um, so much work to be done. And uh, yeah, we pray that your kingdom would expand in Thailand. And that one day Thailand would be a place where majority say Jesus Christ is Lord of our lives. Amen. Kind of ironic that we didn't do the Thai-style prayer. Uh, when I've been teaching them Thai-style prayers. They're doing pretty good. So, Okay, we are in Ephesians. Let's keep uh, marching through. If you have a Bible, if you can find a Bible, if you've got an app on your phone, that's fine. Turn to Ephesians. We are in chapter 4. Uh, just a reminder, once again, we are looking at Ephesians through three different lenses. Uh, the first part of Ephesians, identity. What does it mean to be seated in Christ? Looking at our personal identity. And our identity in Christ needs to be firmly established before we can understand the other two parts of Ephesians. The second part of Ephesians, of course, being the, the theme word being walk. What does it mean to walk in the world? And so the, the second part is, is walking out our, our, our faith and how we interact with one another. The third part of Ephesians, then, is to stand. What does it mean to stand against the enemy? That's kind of the end part of chapter 6 at the very end. So uh, three key words, and very much they build on each other. You can't start with stand and then go to seated. You have to start with seated. Then you have to go to walk, and then, of course, you, you go to stand. Uh, Ephesians 4, read with me. We are in um, verse 11. I'm going to read to the end of verse 16, and today we'll just see how far we get. He who ascended is the one... Oh, sorry, that's verse 10. Verse 11. And he, uh, talking about Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So last week, um, we, we dived into this topic of spiritual gifts, and we're kind of working the long way around. We actually went over to 1 Corinthians and, uh, and looked at that and then kind of worked back around. Um, we talked about spiritual gifts being special abilities given by the Holy Spirit, distributed to every believer according to God's design and for the body of Christ. Uh, they're divine empowerments. They're used for spiritual purposes or tasks or functions. They enable us to do meaningful service. We talked about spiritual gifts being different than a worldly skill. Uh, leadership is, or administration are one of those examples. What do you do when you have someone who is uh, not a believer and therefore not equipped by the Holy Spirit, who is exceptionally gifted in administration, exceptionally gifted in leadership, 
And how do you compare that when the Bible says that there's a spiritual gift of leadership, a spiritual gift of administration? And the, the distinction between those two points is the church, is that the spiritual gifts are, are used within the church with, or, or, or a part of the church, church very, being very globally. It can also be nonprofit Christian organizations. But um, just that body of believers and seeing the, the kingdom of God expand. So they're different in worldly skills that way. We talked about different volumes. You know, some can lead ten, some can lead hundreds, some can lead thousands. Uh, some can administer a home, some can administer a church, some can uh, administer a, a megachurch or, or some of these large nonprofits that are um, huge, that have hundreds of employees. Um, gifts need to be built on a couple foundations, one being love. 1 Corinthians 13, we looked at that last week. And there's some very terrifying, powerful verses in the early part of 1 Corinthians 13 about how it is possible for you to give away all of your belongings and to voluntarily live a life of poverty. It is possible for you to even give your body to be burned, for you to, enter, to, for you to be martyred. And yet if you have not love, it gains you nothing and no one else benefits from it. And the critical foundation that love must play in the expression of these gifts because frankly, without love, it doesn't matter how big your gifting is. No one's going to benefit from it, including yourself. Um, so love, character, um, a solid character. Are you, are you trustworthy? What's the depth of your relationship with Jesus? All the gifts can be abused. All of them, okay? And, um, but, but what is the depth of your character? Uh, are you trustworthy? Are you honest? Are you humble in spirit? Are you generous with others? Um, another foundation for gifts is just experience. Uh, you know, if, if someone comes up and says, you know, I really think that you have the, the spiritual gift of leadership, it doesn't mean that you're instantly good at it. I would say it means that you have the potential to become good at it. And what it means is that you need to read every book that you can get your hands on on leadership and that you need to find a mentor in the area of leadership and that you need to be a student of leadership more than any other. And so are you, are you studying it? Are you being mentored in that, in that area, in that gifting? And, um, yeah. Uh, and then the fourth one, wisdom. What does this look like from God's perspective? Uh, are, are you using this gift with, with God's wisdom? The, I think I've shared it with you before. The, um, how I differentiate between common sense and wisdom is that common sense is a good decision based on man's perspective, but wisdom is a good decision based on God's perspective. And some things fit into both categories, like turning off the stove before you leave the house. But some are drastically different. Taking 10% of your hard-earned money and giving it to another organization and saying, here, do with this as you please, that is not good common sense. That is not a good decision based on the world's perspective. But on God's perspective, it's a very good decision. So, do you have that foundation of wisdom? Uh, what Some things that spiritual gifts are not. They're not natural talents like cooking, sports, perfect pitch. They're not fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience. Everyone's supposed to have those. They're not church positions like pastor, Sunday school teacher, small group leader. They're not Christian disciplines like fasting, prayer, study, tithing. Uh, we worked through 1 Corinthians 12, 13. We touched on 1 Corinthians 14. My favorite verse in all of that, verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each is given. Each believer receives a gifting from the Holy Spirit. 
a manifestation of the Spirit. Scripture calls spiritual gifts a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. When you, in a healthy way, express your spiritual gift, that is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. That's a very beautiful thing, people. And for the common good, the beneficiary of your spiritual gift is not you. This is not for you to make money. This is not for you to to grow in power or fame or anything like that. The beneficiary will always be someone else. The beneficiary will always be the kingdom of God on spiritual gifts. Verse 7. So good. All right. Um, 1 Corinthians 13 showed us about love as a foundation. 1 Corinthians 14, Paul goes into some detail about um, tongues and and prophecy and, uh, and the proper usage there. And also the, the different viewpoints on, uh, on spiritual gifts. Uh, there's, um, you know, each of you is going to have to kind of pick your own route on this one. I, I have my belief. Uh, some believe that certain sign gifts were only for the early church. Uh, I disagree with that. I, I don't see scripture that supports that, and I feel like I've seen all the different gifts. Um, sort of the best technical term for what I believe would be charismatic with the seatbelt, in that I do believe that all the gifts are in play, but there's a very... Uh, orderly, organized, structured way for, for them to be expressed. Um, and then you also in our culture, you'll see people who put uh, giftings kind of on par with Scripture. I believe that Scripture is the final authority. We filter everything through Scripture. Uh, and then some people who would say that um, not all Christians have the Holy Spirit. And I'm not even going to go there. Um, Ephesians 4. Let's, let's, let's talk about some of these gifts a little bit. Uh, Ephesians 4 names five gifts, and Ephesians 4 is kind of unique in that Ephesians 4 gives us more detail than any of the other passages about the purpose of these gifts. Uh, Remember, if you want to study spiritual gifts, the places that you go are 4, 4, 12, 12. 1 Peter 4, Ephesians 4, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. Those are your key passages on, on spiritual gifts. And in those other passages, they'll mention them in a comment, or maybe they'll give you get like a sentence description. But Ephesians 4 gives you a whole paragraph on, the, on these five gifts. It's kind of interesting. The first one that gets listed is apostleship. And, and there's... It's, that one's a little bit confusing. Um, scripture makes it very clear that there were only 12 apostles. And then, Scripture has the audacity to go and name a bunch of other people as apostles. So what do you do with that? When Scripture says, nope, only 12, but we're going to call a bunch of other people apostles as well, too. Um, in, uh, in Acts, the first part of Acts, verses 12 to 26, Judas has committed suicide, and they have to find a 12th apostle to replace him. And they, they seem pretty pretty set on this idea that there has to be 12 apostles. Later on in Revelation 21, 14, we see uh, it reads like this. The wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. So Scripture seems pretty firm and set that there were only 12 apostles and that that's kind of a closed club, like no one else gets in on that. But... What do you do with someone like Paul, who repeatedly calls himself an apostle and yet was not one of the twelve? In fact, if you look throughout Scripture, Scripture either directly or indirectly actually names twelve other people as apostles. 
13 if you name Jesus Christ, because at one point Jesus Christ was called an apostle. Um, James, the half-brother of Jesus, Galatians 1.19, Barnabas in Acts 14.14, 14. Paul in Acts 14.14, 14, as well as other places, um, Apollos, Corinthians 4.6-9, 4, Timothy and Silvanus, 1 Thessalonians, Epaphroditus, Philippians 2.25, two guys that don't even get named, 2 Corinthians 8.23, Andronicus and Junia in Romans 16.7. Some of your uh, Bibles might name them as messengers, but the Greek word in all those is apostle. So how do you, what do you do with that? How do you, how do you kind of reconcile that? Here's the best explanation I have heard. There might be other better explanations. If you have it, I, please share it with me after the service. But here's the best one that I've heard so far. And that is that there's a difference between the office of apostle and the gift of apostleship. Okay? You have the office of apostle, which is a set, closed list, and you have the gift of apostleship. The same is true for prophets, prophecy. You have the office of prophet. Prophets were Old Testament people who wrote scripture, shared a word of the Lord. And yet in the New Testament, we have the gift of prophecy in 1 Corinthians 14, which is very much encouraged for us today. So once again, how do you balance that? Even with pastoral, I am in the office of pastor, but I would expect that many of you have a pastoral gifting. Um, some descriptions. Uh, let's, uh, some description of apostleship and what that looks like today. Um, the easiest way that I would describe apostleship, as I believe that it operates today, is that these people are your entrepreneurs. That, like, in, 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 if you were to use business terminology, these people are your entrepreneurs. They're just great at starting and creating new things. Uh, gift of apostleship. This, uh, this is material that I borrowed from others, from, from commentaries, from other sermons. There's a great course out there called the Network Course. Maybe we need to do that someday. A gift of apostleship, the divine empowerment to begin and oversee the development of new ministries, structures, or churches. Those with a gift of apostleship often adapt to various surroundings by being culturally sensitive and aware. They pioneer, they establish new ministries, new churches. They desire to minister to unreached people in other communities or countries. Um, church planning capacity, cross-cultural capacity. Um, uh, can you minister effectively cross-culturally? Do you love to go overseas? Can you work with different people groups? Are you called to plant a church uh, here or internationally? Can you start a church from nothing? Uh, are you an entrepreneur? Has God given you leadership and influence over multiple churches or movement leaders? Can you pioneer a, a ministry where others have failed? Uh, prophecy. That's the next one that gets named in, um, in Ephesians. Once again, I would say a, a distinction between the office of prophet, an Old Testament role that we no longer see, and the gift of prophecy, as articulated in 1 Corinthians 14, that we're very much encouraged to have. Um, 1 Corinthians 14 describes prophecy this way, is that one who speaks to people for their strengthening, their encouragement, and their comfort. That's, that's the gift of prophecy. If anyone comes up to you and says, I'm a prophet, and they start naming dates, nope, you run away. If anyone comes up to you and says, you know, I think God told me that we're going to get married, nope, then you really run away. 
Um, you know, if someone, if someone says, oh, I, I think this is going to happen. I, prophecy is not fortune-telling. Prophecy is not predicting the future. Okay? Maybe in the Old Testament, I mean, yes, there was some of that happening. But New Testament, in which you and I live, we're, th- this is not, we're not setting dates, we're not predicting the future. This is someone who just, they come up to you with like a verse, and you're like, hey, I was thinking of you. Here, here, here's a verse, maybe a little letter of encouragement. I don't know if it means anything. You know, take it. And then you go home and cry, right? Or they're like, hey, can I, can I pray for you? And you're like, sure. And then you burn through Kleenex left and right, you know? Um, that's the healthy way that I have seen prophecy used. These people are not fortune tellers. They're not predictors. They just, they just have an insight, and they just, I don't know, it's, the, the, the connections between gift, and, uh, between gift of prophecy and gift of encouragement are really close for me. For me, the, the lines kind of get a little bit blurred uh, be, between those two. The, when, when you work with people who are well-gifted in prophecy, who are wise in prophecy, who have experienced it well, who use it well, they're fun people. Like, these are the people that you want in your life, okay? They're not the wingnuts predicting crazy end-of-time stuff. Um, I guess I just said the word ring nuts, don't I? Um, but, you know, sorry. You know, but they're just, they're, they're good people that you just love to have in your life, all right? They're for your encouragement, for your comfort, for your strengthening. Uh, those with the gift of prophecy, they understand God's heart and mind uh, through experiences he takes them through, such as dreams, visions, prayers. They spot the difference between cultural trends and biblical truths. They speak a timely word from God, causing strengthening, encouragement, cover, comfort. Um, sometimes, but, but very, very rarely, you know, perhaps conviction or repentance, but that is exceptionally rare. And, you know, this is another one where wisdom, 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 wisdom is so beneficial. Um, there was one of the stories that I heard um, from someone who's good at this. I think they read it in a book. I'm not sure. But, you know, there, there was a group of church leaders who gathered to pray and or i don't know if they had some weekend retreat or something like that and you had i don't know what term they used elders or deacons or governing board or leaders you know everyone kind of has their own name and a couple pastors and that kind of thing and and one of the individuals there i, I think it was a lady who was who was kind of skilled in the prophecy but you know kind of during the prayer time really the lord really kind of revealed to her that that one of the guys had really kind of betrayed the pastor, sort of metaphorically stabbed him in the back, that kind of thing, spread some lies and that kind of thing. But she didn't jump on that right away. She just sat back and said, all right, Lord, what do you want me to do with that? You know, rather than just say, hey, you're a bad person. Stop doing this. She said, Lord, how do we, okay, so you've said that, but but now what? You know, and time progressed kind of throughout the meeting. And then she felt like the Lord was saying, you need, to, you need to tell this guy that he needs to be um, praying for the pastor and kind of guarding his back. Okay? So it was a very encouraging thing. So in this prayer time, she said, you know, I, I really feel like God is at, telling me or asking you that, you know, you really need to be protecting the pastor, covering the pastor, protecting his back, that kind of thing. She didn't say any of the, any, all the kind of the, the dirty laundry that, ha, that she had picked up on. She didn't, she didn't share a word of that. She just sat on it and said, you know what? I, well, 
I mean, the conviction that happened in that man's heart was intense. And he confessed, he repented, he made amends. And now that gentleman and that pastor are two tightly knit guys because they have gone through this process of hurting each other and then confession, repentance, and then kind of coming together again. All right? Some of these gifts, you've got to have a strong foundation of wisdom and, and of character. Evangelism. That's the next one that, that gets mentioned. Gift of evangelism is a divine empowerment to communicate the gospel effectively to unbelievers so that they respond in faith and move towards discipleship. Those with the gift of evangelism communicates Christ's message with conviction and clarity. They look for opportunities to build relationships with unbelievers and to speak with them regarding spiritual matters. Uh, they challenge unbelievers to faith and to become a wholly devoted followers of Christ. Uh, they customize their presentation of the gospel to be relevant to the individual's needs. Uh, these people primarily do their work outside the church. Uh, they have a desire and ability to speak clearly and effectively about Jesus to non-Christians. Uh, this means you can now speak English to non-Christian friends. Um, that, that phrase actually really cracks me up. I mean, the, I, I don't know how much you've worked with, you know, some people when it comes to like, hey, do you know Jesus? Like, they're really good, and they can use any metaphor like within arm's reach, and they j it's a home run, right? Other people, they try to talk about Jesus, you know, it's just, uh, you know, well, I was I was a wicked person, and uh, you're a wicked person, and you know, but just covered in the blood, right? Like we just got to be covered in the blood, and when we're all covered in blood, then we can be with Jesus forever, friend playing harps. You know, no one no one's gonna do that, okay? Uh, when your pitch line is covered in blood, although theologically true, um, I don't know, it's just not gonna work. Um, uh, people with the gift of evangelism, they love non-Christians, the weirder the better. Uh, they love their crazy ideas. They love hanging outside the church. These are the people that are like, why would I go to church? All those people are Christians. I don't, I don't know what I do there. Um, we had uh, uh, one of the guys who used to teach on, on evangelism. By his own admission, just kind of out of his own burning desire um, for lost people, he said, you know, I've probably knocked on about 4,000 doors doing door-to-door -door evangelism. And this was several years ago. And uh, so he would come and teach, and he'd talk about evangelism, you know, and people like, oh, yeah, that's great, that's beautiful. And then sometimes, you know, we'd say like, yeah, and we're thinking about going door-to-door. -door. People would just freak out. I mean, just pandemonium would break out left and right. The, you know, when, when we talk about evangelism, oftentimes our mind goes to the door-to-door -door approach. And our minds go to the door-to-door -door approach. We think, you take this street, and I'll take this street, and loser has to buy lunch. You know? Whoever gets the most converts wins. We, we would do, like, door-to-door, -door, but here's how we would do it. First, we would gather together, and we'd just spend some good time in worship and prayer. And then we would say, Lord, there are people in this community who don't know you, and they want to know you. Maybe they directly recognize that they need you. Like maybe they're going, I need God in my life. Maybe they're not even that far along in the process and they're just going, I need something in life. But there are people in this community who are actively clamoring for you. Now where are they? And how do we connect with them? And how do we give them what they are seeking? 
and then we'd split up and spread out. And you go to the park, and you take this street, and you go over here, and you go to the mall, and then you just stand on the street corner, and you go, all right, Lord, where are they at? Because they're looking for it, and I got it, but I need to know which one. And so then you interact with a person in a very calm, cool, non-freakish way. And sometimes it's very early on in the process, right? Where they go, okay, thank you. And sometimes they go, that is absolutely what I needed. I'm ready. Oftentimes when we talk about evangelism, we zone in on that that moment of conversion or kind of the hard sell. That is a very narrow-minded perspective, all right? Evangelism is like setting up two people on a blind date and hoping they get married one day. If it's early on, you're just introducing them, and it's awkward as all get out, you know? But it's like, hey, you two should uh, hang out. And maybe it's a little bit earlier on, and you're having late-night conversations about, no, this is a trustworthy person. You, Yeah, you should go for this. And, yeah, we all have baggage, but whatever. Just be honest with them about it. It'll all be good. And maybe you show up for the wedding ceremony. Paul talks about Apollos planting the seed, and I, and I watered it. Right? It's a, it's a process. When you think evangelism, don't think of the hard one-time sell. Think, invi- think taking two people and hooking them up on a blind date. And the entire process from blind date to marriage ceremony, that is evangelism. Someday we need to do more stuff on evangelism. Maybe I'll, I'll do some teaching, and just for your practical experience, you can just all follow Lee Jost around for a week or something like that. So. Uh, shepherding, pastoring, this is the other one that gets mentioned. The gift of shepherding, pastoring, the divine empowerment to nurture, care for, guide people as they experience spiritual growth. Those with the gift of shepherding or pastoring, uh, they enjoy encouraging others to develop their faith. They provide guidance and oversight uh, to God's people. They establish trust, loyalty, confidence through long-term relationships. They lead and protect those within their care. Um... This gift was poured out on a multitude of men and women who do shepherding, biblical counseling, pastoral work. Uh, do you love Christians? Do you want to see them mature in their faith, uh, discipleship, mentoring, accountability? Uh, do you uh, want to see people become more like Jesus, uh, compelled to serve people, compelled to see people grow biblically in their knowledge of God, wanting them to mature? Do you like meeting with people, listening to their story one-on-one? Um, do people pursue you to meet? That's the, the, the shepherding pastoral. That's a fun one. We all like the pastoral person. They're just kind of soft and squishy or something. I'm not sure. Not physically, but just like emotionally, you know. So. Teaching, gift of teaching, the divine empowerment to understand, communicate clearly, apply God's truth to others effectively. Uh, those with the gift of teaching love to gather information, uh, then effectively communicate it to others. They love to challenge the Bible, to challenge listeners to apply it to their lives. Uh, They give attention to detail and accuracy. They prepare through extended times of study and reflection. Do you love to learn, research, communicate, illustrate the truth? Do you love to study and research? Do you like to read? Do you put lectures together more naturally than other people? Are you naturally always teaching? Uh, When people get it, is that when you get excited? Uh, you know, for me, out of these five, I would, currently, I would say that uh, kind of the strongest candidate for my first gifting would be teaching, and second would be kind of some 
leadership, pastoral something. Uh, For me, I would not say apostolic. I would not say prophetic. I would not say evangelistic. I have started new things. I have shared a word of encouragement from the Lord and seen it been impactful. I have talked to people about Jesus. Um, I won't call my primary giftings, but I feel like I've seen them all used in, in a healthy way, and I'm excited about them. I really am. When they are used properly, I am very excited about all five of these. Uh, Alan Hirsch is a he's an author, speaker, theologian. I think he's actually uh, a Jewish Christian, I think out of South America. Uh, not, I'm sorry, South Africa, actually. And he's written some books. The, the, the Sunday school class downstairs did one of the books they co-authored right here, right now. And a couple of years ago, I was privileged to hear him speak in person in Vancouver and and, and for part of the talk, he was talking about this, and uh, he kind of has an interesting view on this passage. Perhaps someday I'll, I'll share it with you. It's a little bit different than what I was expecting. But, a, but a, So he names these five gifts, and I haven't validated this, but according to his research, the denominations or the organizations that have ejected the apostolic prophetic gifting and only leaned in on evangelism, teaching, and shepherding those are actually on the decline. For every organization that has rejected those two, they're actually on the decline. Now, to incorporate all five doesn't necessarily mean they're on the rise, but they're just, I don't know, it was very interesting. And, and when you take out the entrepreneurs, when you take out the, the people who have just a unique clarity about a word from the Lord and encouraging you, you know, what is that? You know, shepherds and teachers are very good at working with what's already established, okay? That's kind of my gifting. Evangelistic, very good at, at bringing people in. But just, you know, the value of having, you know, all, all five of these gifts in play. I haven't validated it, but it was a very uh, interesting thing that he shared. Well, I thought I was going to get all the way through this today. Uh, no, that's true. Last last week I thought I was going to get through this. Um, some good stuff on gifts. Okay. We'll we'll finish up the the rest of the passage next week. Um, but what do we do with all this? Okay. So we're about six words into this section. Uh, what do we do with all this? I'd say there's two things. The, the first is self-awareness. And for you to understand how has God uniquely wired you. Now, one of the things that hopefully we'll, we'll get into next week, but understanding your spiritual gift is very important. It's also incredibly vague. To say that you're gifted in teaching is kind of like saying, I drive a green car. Okay, what make? What model? Four-wheel drive? Two-wheel drive? I mean, that really doesn't, that doesn't give me anything. I could say I'm gifted in teaching. You put me in an elementary classroom, I am dead on my feet. Okay? Like, just, it's over. Um, understanding the people group that, that you're skilled with. Understanding the topic that you're passionate about. I mean, is it new Christians? Is it established Christians? Is it single, mo- is it single moms? Is it families? Is it dads? Do you like working with Americans? Do you like working with Peruvians? Do you like working with the Thai culture? I mean, understanding your spiritual gift is critical and all, but you've got to drill down into so much more detail 
than just that for you to understand how and where you, you can serve best. And really the best way to figure it out is just trial and error. Uh, you just got to try a lot of stuff and fail at a lot of stuff or you'd be able to say, hey, this one thing, I'm really good at it. And that's why we have to have such a gracious uh, culture amongst us to say, you know what, this is just a safe laboratory of learning where you get space to try and fail at a lot of stuff. I mean, eventually we're hoping that you try and succeed at some stuff. But we just kind of work alongside you as, you as you try and fail a lot of different things. Um, so the first part is just self-awareness, understanding what you're good at. Um, and also the, 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 the final affirmation of your spiritual gift is the affirmation of the body of Christ. It's not what the survey says. It's not what your mom says. It's not what you think it is. It comes from the affirmation of the body of believers. Ooh, I have lots of good stories on that one. Okay, but we're out of time. Um, but so anyway, so that we also have to be affirming each other too and say, hey, I see this in your life, and I think you're good at this, and, you know, uh, this. So, so first off is self-awareness. Second of all is simply for, for you to serve in that area of uniqueness, of gifting. And it might be outside the church, it might be inside the church, but the beneficiary is always the expansion of the kingdom of God. That is the beneficiary of your gift. It is others, it is not you. Um, it's not for you to, to, to make money or, or anything like that. Uh, and the other thing, too, I just to keep, to keep bringing us back to this fantastic phrase, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Each of you has a spiritual gift, meaning each of you has a role within the body of Christ that's very important to the body of Christ, each one of you manifestation of the spirit we'll, hopefully we'll talk about this next week there's a lot of gifts listed in scripture but one of the core questions is is that the final list or are there other things that could be a spiritual gift that are not listed in scripture but to describe them as a manifestation of the spirit for me really gives me a lot of kind of leads me to a conclusion on how I would answer that and to let the, the, the Spirit show His beauty and His creativity and His wisdom through you. For the common good that the beneficiary is others. Let the Holy Spirit manifest Himself through you for the sake of others. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, um, it's a remarkable thing, not only that you call us into relationship with you, uh, it's a remarkable thing that not only that you have saved us, that you have redeemed us, um, but then beyond that, that you send your Holy Spirit? That your Holy Spirit lives within each one of us? That that Holy Spirit is constantly there as, as a voice of encouragement or correction? That your Holy Spirit desires to manifest it himself through us? That a living entity... One of the, the, the Godhead lives within us and desires to express a part of his character through us. Lord, thank you so much for that. That is generosity beyond what we can fathom. It's our delight to love you, to serve you, to worship you, and to do this in team as we seek to see your kingdom expand here in Henderson and around the globe. Amen.
Would you stand and join us as we ask God to lead us? dismissed.